The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook by using promo code RTRS and brought to you by Briggs Auction, the official auction of the process at BriggsAuction.com. Big Barker Therapeutic Dog dog beds. Get yours at BigBarker.com slash Ricky and Stateside Urban Craft Vodka, the official sponsor of the Corner 3 newsletter with Zoe, StatesideVodka.com. On the show today, our very own Mike challenged the Sixers to win nine straight games and they have now won six straight games. We'll continue to wonder whether we called the Anthony Melton steak, even though some on Twitter are saying we should call him bake. Tobias Harris wants you to tell a friend to tell a friend. We'll once again, maybe get to the ringer top 100. And as of all, as always, voicemails and emails from you. I mentioned stateside as you have your family gatherings this weekend, potentially, and then New Year's the next weekend, what better beverages to have at your hand, at your hand, at your reach, than stateside? Right here, I have the regular stateside vodka. Of course, the Black Label bourbon is available. And if you want something maybe a little, a little bit sweeter, you get the Surfside iced tea and vodka, which is incredibly popular, as well as the stateside vodka sodas, which are also incredibly popular. Go to statesidevodka.com. You got to be 21. And we want to congratulate William and Allie on the birth of their child, Eli. I got this email from William. This was while Allie was, I think, giving birth. I've been a diehard listener for a few years, probably since 2018, after meeting my future wife, Allie, and subsequently converting her into a Sixers fan. I began forcing her to listen to the pod on long drives. Soon enough, and to my great astonishment, she started listening on her own. We're currently in the hospital waiting for the birth of our first child, Eli. Listening to the latest pod is helping to take our mind off millions of stressors that come up. Uh, and then I got the email during the game. They had Eli. Eli is around. Eli is a Ricky baby. Congratulations, Allie. Congratulations, William. Ricky Very baby. nice. If you're a real Ricky fan, you would name them after one of us or the podcast or a Sixer at least. <laughs> yeah. Yep. A hundred. So I mean, there's true. levels to it. Like you're yep. like a like a like a you know a low grade fan. Mm-hmm. Listening in the hospital, low grade fan. Real fan names them names them after. Yeah. <laughs> One, One of, of us. us. One of podcasts, yeah. Without any further ado, Amos and the chef. Larry, sweetie, the man is here. Say the name. I say the name. I say the name. We will write y'all. Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who is three wins away from completing the greatest prediction of all time, called his shot, the first person to ever call their shot in sports, Mike Levin. I 
I do have to correct you. It wasn't a prediction. I know, it was a I know. demand. I know, I know. It was, it a, a, demand, it was a straight yeah. up demand. Yep. I will not take credit for being right mm-hmm. if they win nine in a row. I will take credit for telling them to do it. Yes. For motivating, for right. being the reason that they, not, not that I was like, oh, I'm, I'm so savvy with my predictions. It's that like I am all powerful and can cause them to play to the level that I need them to in this mode. Let's see how it. Let's see how it continues. But that's six. Need three more. The Knicks are looking relatively good, although they may lose to the Raptors tonight. I haven't checked on the, the finish of that game. But uh, yeah, just like handling business. They, they should have been, this, this is six-game winning streak. The Lakers game obviously should have been a, a relatively easy affair, and it, it got out of hand pretty quickly, and they, they still hold on to win fine. The Raptors game, a desperate Raptors team where they had lost a number of games in a row, and battled and the Sixers holding on to win that one was 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 nice and fine but everything else has been relatively uneventful in a good way this was this game was in hand pretty much the whole time and they just look like to me they look like they have way better feel offensively for spacing and passing and where they're going to be even Dan House has been looking good lately that's been nice to see Um, he did have a pretty sick miss tonight um, yeah. The, well, look, come on. Yeah. There's there's going to be those. Um, but it's just like they they look like a cohesive team right now. It's clear that like they've been interacting more. They've been maybe there's been, you know, there's talk about, you know, on the, on the broadcast Kate and Ala were talking about like they're sitting they're all sitting together for lunch. They're not cordoned off. Uh uh Taryn Hatcher on the on the Raptors broadcast talked about how they're meditating together. Like this team is uh, don't roll your eyes, Spike. I didn't Six teams in a row, eyes. they can do whatever it's a they want. Podcast, I, no, no, one no, no. It's a YouTube. This eyes. is a broad. This is a full television broadcast right here, <laughs> and they look good and they're playing together, and it's just you can feel it. They just, which makes it frustrating. Why, like at the ends of games, still like Harden is just like dribbling the air out of the ball, and not really going anywhere. Sometimes uh, Embiid a little hero, a little more hero ball than I would like because when they are moving it, they do look good doing it. But some minor quibbles. Six game winning streak. Happy about it. Uh, a, a somewhat related note, this Pistons team is dog shit. My kind of team, man. Come on. Uh, not even f- fun, I don't know. I, oh, I could have fun. Oh. I, could have a, I could have a real good time with this Pistons team. You, you, oh. you give me, you give me a, couple, a couple months with this Pistons team, I'll have a real good time with them. Yeah? Oh, yeah. And all day. There's plenty of guys I could, I could latch on to. Big time. <laughs> Big time. CJ, Come make on. a note for the... Yeah, the YouTube shorts. Absolutely. The, uh, yeah, yeah. The, you think I couldn't g- fall in love with like Sadiq Bay, like a, a Killian no, Hayes' no, no. resurgence? Are you kidding? Yeah. Like, absolutely, I could. Jaden Ivey's the man. He's going to be good. Jalen Dern is, you know. I didn't mean to do a this. Full real deal. Look, I can do it. I can yeah. get there. I can happily get there. I couldn't get there. I, I'm questioning why Rodney Magruder is playing minutes. That would be, that would break me a little bit. But you need one of those. You need a Damian Wilkins. And Rodney Magruder is Damian Wilkins. By the way, Alec Burks. Yeah. Alec Burks is the worst player in the league to have never missed a shot. He's never missed a shot in his career. And he's going to be the seventh man. on every team. On every team, he's the seventh man on every single one of them. I'm drinking, by the way. I should make that. I mean, I got a, I got a red, oh. got a nice red here. Ooh, something for uh, everyone. That felt good about this game. Felt good about this game. So I was like, I'm going to start. I'm going to tap into it. So feeling good. Six in a row. That's Not an enormous wine glass. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's classy stuff. Like classy stuff. Fishbowl or something. It's huge. Perfect size. Yeah. That's what you it's need. W- one of the two kinds of red wine in there. That's uh, what, there's, there's both. 
yeah. something for everybody. All right. See, I agree with you on this game so much so that I, I almost have very little to say about it. They, oh, I got they stuff did to say they, <laughs> they, <laughs> motherfucker. they, they, they did. It was comfortable. It was like, normally I would be annoyed with them for being at like seven and a half out of 10 speed the entire game. But it was one of those things where they knew exactly how hard they needed to play. And they played exactly that amount of hard and they won it. And you have to win games like this, this way. I will disagree a little bit that the, the Toronto game, that team surprisingly now i we said on the previous pod it was going to be a, a a stressful game and it was that team kind of like fucking sucks like we especially offensively they, they they're like a disaster i was actually pretty frustrated with with as close as that game was especially after the first quarter i was watching how the raptors were playing they just they seem like they're i i'm stunned at how bad they are so i was a little disappointed that game ended up going to overtime but yeah but, it, um, it, it didn't have to but yeah. a desperate raptors team that just that needed a win very badly and and didn't didn't get it um yeah i mean i thought i thought this was a good you know you look at this game uh you talked about like playing at half speed i thought Embiid still played very well it was just like a, his jump shot wasn't really falling in this one but he was still affecting the game really nicely like, yeah i didn't think they much. were loafing by the way yeah, it I wasn't just a loaf th- yeah, yeah yeah it was just like a com- it was a confident it was a comfortable yeah for um, sure harden got going early kind of fell asleep the rest of the game made a couple nice big uh full court passes i loved the full court chess pass to Embiid when he was sealing killian hayes sixers adam tweeted about it like 18 times um <laughs> which i which i adore uh Harden, I think, has been getting to the rim a little bit more. I think we, you know, we knocked him for not being able to get there as much, not being able to beat guys off the dribble. And, you know, he's never going to look like the old version of himself. But I think he is getting there more. He's going to his left. He's using deceleration to to get some space without just, like, shoving the ball into the guy's chest, you know? Um, and he's turning Montrezl Harrell into, like, at least something resembling a functioning NBA player again on the offensive end because he's a really such a good pick and roll b-ball is uh, never going to get a meaningful minute i know there was a moment again, in the game when b-ball over. was like on the bench and it was just like whole, it looked like he was praying or falling asleep and <laughs> we're trying we'll to, to remember there. if he sent out all the hoodies yeah I do. yeah yeah he should be allowed to make make some calls on the bench, on the bench? that should be sure. a, should absolutely be allowed to do if doc's not going to play him if doc's not doing his job then b-ball paul should be able to do his um yeah i, th- I mean Embiid wise well, Harden, I, Harden, wait, Harden. before you get there, yeah. Harden did in this game, he, he was good in this game. He was pretty putrid, I thought, in the Raptors game, actually. Uh, did you think he was getting to the rim of the Raptors game? I thought he got a couple times, like the decision-making wasn't there, like towards, the, you know, he, at the end of regulation, he, he like, uh, causes a switch. He like calls for OG Ananobi to basically It was defend insane. Him. Yeah, and he got a decent look out of it. Like he created some space with it, but it was still like not a good decision. Like the choice yeah. there is not a bright one. Um, he's just not a guy. Like I think for most of the game, it's Harden deciding when he needs to be um, a distributor and um, look for his own shot is the most is the is the biggest like hang up on this on this team right now because. In the beginning of this game, like first quarter, he had like what twelve points in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Looked really good. Was hitting shots. Was getting to the rim. Was they're still doubling him, so he's peppering the ball over the court. That's nice. But then sometimes it's like, 
okay, now you're just deferring all the time. You're kind of standing there. You're kind of invisible. And then sometimes at the end of the game, he's still like, oh, I'm, it's 2015. I can do whatever I want. And it's like, that's the level of like, where, where is this guy going to like find himself? How often is he going to, um, that's the, that's the thing that if you're watching the Sixers, like he looks good right now. The team looks good. They look cohesive. That's fine. But if you're looking forward, you're just like that. That's the biggest concern is like, how is Harden going to, is he able to get his own shot? And how often do we want him to be looking for it? And that's and, and when, by the way, yeah. To to your point, he seems to like either turn it off completely or on completely. Yeah. It it doesn't it doesn't seem to happen possession to possession. It seems like it happens quarter to quarter almost. Yeah, or I think that's right. Half. Like I've talked about this with with Alyssa. She is a she is either like has the has the air conditioning like all the way on, or like the heat all the way on. Like there's no middle yeah. ground. And I'm like, a, let's find a temperate. Let's find like, give me like a two, give me like a 68 and a two. Yeah. And just feel a little bit of a cool breeze. But Alyssa and James Harden, <laughs> not similar players, but are either on or off. And I need to, I need to find like, how, how, can you, how can you affect the game while you're still like engaged? That's not just like a standing there. We'll find out. Uh, you were saying Embiid, he, uh, go ahead. I think it's worth... There's the Raptors game, like that volleyball tap to Melton in the corner Was versus sick. the Raptors. Like that's yeah. a that's an indicative of like he is feeling good right mm-hmm. now. He makes that play and it was a nice play. It worked out. I thought his passing in this game was really, really good. How many assists did he finish with? Six. Um, I think he could have had more if guys had hit shots. They didn't shoot well. They only shot uh, under thirty percent from three. I thought that was it's a nice nice to win this game handily when they didn't shoot well from three because they have been one of the best three point shooting teams in the league thus far. Um, the, yeah, I mean, Shaken and Embiid have a really nice give and go game. I, I like I like them working together. Um, there was that really really nice play where Embiid was like pivoting his ass off into a really nice step through over Duran where he finished. That was good. Got to the line. I mean, just did his thing. Just did like it was a very cohesive game. Finished the plus seventeen. Played thirty four minutes. Uh, blocked a good amount of shots. It was a. It was nice to see. I think that he is finding himself. Like the when the. When the ball is moving and he can find the ball, like not without stopping the offense in like the, in the rhythm of the offense, I mentioned last podcast and I mentioned a lot is how much I like when Embiid is catching on the run and before the defense, you know, I would like to, I would like for him to be shooting threes more. He only took one tonight and he missed it and it was from like 35, which was a, a, an odd, odd shot choice, but whatever he's MVP candidate. He can do that sometimes. I like him catching on the run. I like him exploring the defense, using his athleticism, being mobile, making them think about it. Like it was just a really nice Embiid game. That even though he didn't shoot well, his mid range wasn't there. Um, he still impacted the game at every level, and it's nice to see him like find find a rhythm with like within the team concept. I agree. And a lot of times when the mid range is not there, he gets frustrated. You see a, a weird offensive foul, mm-hmm. and and then a, a then a and he he they give up a transition bucket because he's yelling at the ref, and he just sort of seemed to settle into it uh, this evening. There was a wait, what was I going to say about Embiid? Man, I had fucking something. I'm sorry, my chest. It just feels like they're they're starting to really, you know, they, there's so many moments at the ends of games where they just stop moving, and it kills me. But but for the most for the most part, over the course of a game, they are really getting a better sense of where everybody is. Like Shake is really good at. When they double Embiid and then there's one guy covering two people out on the three-point line, Shake is usually at the foul line extended and say it's like Tobias or PJ in the corner or Matisse. Shake will cut 
the lane, bring the defender that's covering both guys with him, and then that's an easy kick out for Embiid to the corner for a corner three. Those are that's like a that's a heady play. I wouldn't mind Embiid finding Shake sometimes on those cuts. It seems like he's up open a little bit more than we give it to him, but it's a, it's nice to see like oh that's a smart cut. That's movement that is getting a good look for the offense, and I want them to keep doing it. The thing I was going to mention about Embiid, I can't remember if you've ever mentioned it on the pod. I understand that he falls down more, like that's part of the plan, to have him not get hurt. Yeah. How many transition buckets do they give up because he falls down trying to lay the ball Totally, up? totally. A lot of transition buckets. Yeah. A lot of that's, them. And I think that was the, you know, there was miscommunication over the, for the first like three weeks of the season or whatever, but a lot of it is Hardener Embiid, falling down and not getting a call, talking to the officials, yeah, and not getting back. Like that's realistically like those two guys are probably the worst culprits of it out of everybody in the league. I'm sure there's a couple people that are just as bad, but like having two of those types of guys on the team damages their transition defense in a real way. All right, we're going to talk about the one and only Tobias Harris in a second. Before we do, our sponsor Briggs Auction. I have to congratulate Briggs Auction. They just did their final auction of 2022, and it was a fantastic year. A fantastic year for them, wrapped up with, like I think, like eight weeks in a row with at least one auction a week. Look, Briggs Auction is a local Delaware County, family-owned, family-operated, four, four generations, I think, have, have, uh, have owned Briggs Auction, auction house. And when I say auction house, you're like, well, what do they auction off? Everything. Literally everything, um, like classic furniture, uh, sports collectibles, music collectibles, art that you're not going to find anywhere else, like real, like classic books, toys, all that kind of shit. They do estate auctions, they do discovery auctions, they do special auctions, like only sports, and they had a fantastic year. I want you to download the Briggs Auction app. Just go download the auction, B-R-I-G-G-S, it's in the App Store, it is in the Google Play Store. And just have it ready because that very first week of January, they have an awesome discovery auction planned. And what I do is every week, Monday or Tuesday, I go in and I check and I look at the brand new auction. And there's usually like between 500 and 1,000 lots in each one of them. I have my favorite categories, the collectibles category I like, the art category I like, the books category I like, and just page through it. You're going to find stuff at Briggs that you're not going to find anywhere else. So happy and proud to have Briggs as a sponsor of the Ricky. When you win stuff, it's very easy to go get it. They have open pickup all day on Saturdays, or you make an appointment during the week, or they'll work with you on a shipper. And if you want to downsize, you have an estate you want auctioned somewhere. You found a giant collection of baseball cards in the basement you think you need help with. Info at BriggsAuction.com. Shoot them an email. They can auction it for you. Thank you to Briggs Auction, their first year of sponsoring the rookie, the Ricky. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, Briggs Auction, Briggs Auction. So before we get into Toby, I feel like the best way to introduce Tobias Harris, talking about Tobias right now, is with the greatest post game interview I've seen in a very long time. Like it made me giddy when I wow. saw it. I, I did. I I was just like That's not easy. That's that's yeah. not a place you get to with this with this team a lot. No, and especially not with Tobias Harris, but like the Tobias Harris has so So when I feel one way on a player, I'm pretty convinced of it. It's hard to get me to think otherwise. Otherwise. There's usually this middle ground where I'm like, "Ah, still not buying it yet." But Tobias has pushed past it and he's leaned in and there's 
He is playing great. He has changed his game. Who who knows how long it lasts, but it is without question that right now he has done just about everything we have asked him to do and that he needed to do for this team. That's right. So, so there's that. And then there's the Raptors game where in overtime, he hits a big three. He hits another big three that doesn't count, but it still had the, it was almost like the game still had the juice of the three almost. Mm -hmm. And then gives such a fucking cocky post-game interview. I loved it. I was, I was over the moon, this post-game interview. So, uh, which, and by the way, there's a catchphrase. There's a phrase in here that I feel like we'll be saying forever. All right, CJ, hit it. Wasn't exactly easy, though. What do you take away from this one? That game was crazy. But tell a friend to tell a friend I'm a sharpshooter. And, uh, you know, I, I, we was able to come out with this victory. And for us, you know, it was just big play after big play. We was able to get stops at the end, no matter the adversity, adversity throughout the whole game. Oh, no, there's more. Oh, is that the whole thing? Uh, there's not a good... He goes... I'm the hardest worker. Nobody works harder than me. And, and, but the tell a friend to tell a friend, I'm a sharpshooter. Like I, I'm proud of him for, yeah. because when he was originally doing the quick shooting, he was doing it like he, you, he was pretty clear. He didn't want to do it. And even like leaking to Keith Pompey that this isn't the right role for him and blah, 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 blah. But he I didn't leak. It's his dad. Come on. Well, what he, he it, his dad's agent. So he gets credit for yeah. it. Yeah. But then I, I do believe that he probably understands that this is better. Like for a, a player of his position, his size, his skill, the rest of his career is going to be absolutely positively affected by the changes he's made to his game. That being quicker decision-making, shooting more quickly and more accurately, um, going to the rim much harder, being the only dunk guy on the team, as, as Montrezl Harrell thinks he's a dunk guy, but like Tobias Harris, like a real dunk guy, trying to dunk on people, He's, I, I give him loads of credit. And then it makes, when it's Toby time, when we get like maybe one or two possessions of Toby time, I think it makes it a little bit adorable. And, uh, and he's been great. And I love that post-game interview and tell a friend to tell a friend, I'm a sharpshooter. Yeah, that's good. I love I'm happy it. That you're, I'm happy you're giddy about it. He had a really yeah. nice transition lob from Shake that he caught yep. and finished. That was good. He looks like he's getting up on it. You know, there's, I think there's a sense of like, his legs are fresher to do the dunks because he's doing a lot of standing in the corner and waiting for the ball and not shooting sometimes for like, you know, a quarter and a half if the ball doesn't get swung to him or if he has to kick it around. Yeah, I mean, look, he, Tobias right now is doing three things. Very clearly, he's really simplified the game in a real way. The three things are shooting off the catch with no dribbles. I think Rich Hoffman made the point in The Athletic that like seven of his eight or something like that shots makes from the other night were with zero dribbles. Just straight off the catch, right in. So he's doing he's shooting off the catch with no dribbles. That's the main thing. He is driving to kick to open shooters. I think his assist numbers, despite the fact that his usage is way down, he's still like getting a number of assists just because of how well he's moving the ball and how how well the team over the last couple of weeks is starting to move with him and, and hit shots. And then there's a few times a game where he just bully balls his way into a four footer. He gets a switch on somebody. Usually it's like some Killian Hayes sized person. Yeah, and he's like, tonight. I'm just going to yep. take him in the paint. It's Malachi Flynn. I'm going to take him in the paint and I'm going to easily hit a four footer over him. And it's just like really effective. He's really efficient. 
it's really very nice to see. Like I, the, I've been asking for the the Matt Gelb piece on Tobias about how he got there. We kind of got it a little bit um, from Newbeck in this one uh, after the Raptors game um, when he had those two big two big threes at the end there, which obviously should have counted. Um, it's just really nice to see him be effective. You know, he, he, he was in foul trouble tonight. He only played 21 minutes, but he still had 17 points on nine shots. He's just like, he's just a good player. And he's, and he's, he went from being a guy that can get you points on like a play in team to now I'm a vital cog in a good, legitimately good team. He and went nice from, to see it. He went from 17 points on 15 shots to 17 points on nine shots, right? Yeah. Like, like Toby was a 21 points on 18 shots guy. Yeah. And uh, he was good at it, but it wasn't a skill that on a, on a, a real, to your point, on a real competitive team that you, you wanted really, yeah. especially in a starter. And yeah. I mean, like if he was on the Syracuse in 2003 and got to be like Carmelo, then like, yeah, that makes sense. Like you need that kind of guy go like, take your time, post up all that stuff. But like in the NBA, you really got to be so good on a good team to be demanding those kinds of shots. And his shot diet has just really improved in such a massive way this season. I haven't seen enough like, um, you know, Kirk Goldsberry esque, uh, like color coded, percentages like of like the view of like the overhead view of the court i'd like to see more of those send them to us if, if you find them and i haven't seen them um but like he's just make everything is making sense it's not like it's like so analytical or anything it's like he is shooting quickly he is comfortable shooting more quickly defenses have to get out on him quicker before it was like all you have to do is like be nearby and Tobias will like pump fake and drive into something and, and really not do much with it but now you got to get over there quickly and it and it allows him to get more driving lanes so he can go right to the basket and do those very emphatic dunks that we've been very excited about lately. Um, you know, he's not George Niang. George Niang, who by the way, needs absolutely no space to get a shot off. Like if a guy's right in his face, it doesn't matter. He needs he needs no space whatsoever. And he's been struggling a little bit, but he's the volume is what it's about. Like with Tobias and Niang, and I would argue Melton a little bit lately, even though he's also struggled a little bit from three lately. Guys that are shooting quickly, guys that are making decisions quickly, even if the shot doesn't go in, it is it is the willingness to shoot that is helping Embiid and Harden and eventually Maxi do a lot more damage around the rim in the paint, exploiting holes in the defense. Like because they have those quick shooters, like everybody looks better because of it. It's really nice to see. And I would I would you know PJ Tucker's got a lot of. Uh, Guff this season, which some of the, a lot of it is deserved. He is not a quick shooter. He is missing a ton of threes. What is he shooting? What CJ tell us what PJ Tucker is shooting from three? I don't, so I don't have to look it up. My but it seems like it's like, like twenty nine. No, uh, it, it was feels forty low. for a while. I bet it's like thirty three. Really? Yeah, it's, it's been bad lately. Yeah, but like it's not only those misses that he misses, which is fine. He's always they're always in the corner and they're always open. He's only shooting the wide open ones. But it's the like slowing down the offense when he is. CJ's at 38%, but I don't believe him. I don't trust CJ. I never trusted CJ. Fucking liar. The, it's like the record scratch moments where he catches it. He should shoot it, but he like needs so much room to get it off that it, like it, it just fucks the offense up. And so the more guys that you can have, especially while PJ's in this like slump or whatever thing he's doing, but CJ, uh, PJ, not CJ, is setting a lot of great screens for you know the off ball he got called for the offensive foul which is very bizarre in the Toronto game but like he gets a couple of those every game where 
he is setting a screen on a shooter for like usually Tobias, sometimes Melton to get an open three out of it. And that's, and that's helpful. And that's, it's not a lot of movement, but it's a little movement and it's better than it could be. And also he had 10 rebounds tonight is definitely his best rebounding game with the Sixers. That's a nice, it, and they weren't easy rebounds either. So it was, a, it was a, even though PJ had exactly zero points, exactly none. It was a nice, it was a nice PJ game. And it was, it's good to see him like have team success, even with, you know, he's better with Harden there, obviously. And he'll, and the shots will start to fall, but like, his lack of shooting quickly and his lack of athleticism is hurting them. And that's how good Tobias has been and Melton has been that like they're not damaged by it that much because those other guys have tightened their window and been hitting a lot of shots, which is great. Yeah. Um, it was a, uh, yeah. PJ Tucker is a confounding player to decide whether he's helping or hurting more. Like my, my eyes tell me he is not helping, but my gut tells me that he is, mm. you know? Well, PJ, PJ Tucker affects you in your gut. In, in your gut. That's yeah. the only place where he really, he really does it. Yeah. Um, I thought Doc did a good job managing minutes. The fact that a bunch of guys didn't play that much in this one when they didn't need to is good. Let's give him credit for that. Shake. I think they like kind of, it was definitely like, a, all right, we're playing the Pistons. We we're going to win this game. Let's like kind of handle the rotation by feel. And I thought that was good. Like Tobias missed a game last week because of back stuff. Melton's missed a game or two. Obviously, Embiid and Harden have had, have had their issues. Um, to PJ has played in every game, so it's it's nice that some guys had didn't only you know got minutes in the twenties this game. Shake was really good. Um, Matisse was great. He he fell he fell off as the game went on and ended up sort of disappearing. But for the first quarter, like he was excellent. A couple of big steals, a couple of nice finishes around Marvin Bagley on, after that uh, inbound steal. Uh, he had a lob. He threw a lob, which was nice. Then Harden had a nice outlet to him. It's 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 nice to see some flashes of Matisse looking like a competent offensive player. Um, and now that the team is deeper, they don't need him to be like their sixth man. They don't need him to play like 28 minutes at any point. But you throw him out there sometimes and he can really like fuck up an offense for the other team or like shut down one guy with his length. And it's it's nice to see it. And it's nice to see when the offense isn't for him isn't such a uh, isn't such a, a of negative. Somebody, Curtis asked in the chat, literally, why can Thibault not do whatever the fuck it is that Tucker does? Well, for several reasons. First of all, he's not nearly as strong as Tucker. Totally. He, he does not play, he doesn't play nearly as physically as Tucker. And I, I think the biggest problem for Thibault has been like, he just makes bad decisions. Yeah. And, and, and I think Tucker, for all of his like, annoying offensive foul here and there, or like, you know, legal screen here and there. Like he knows exactly where to be all the time, especially with Harden. And, and I just think you leave Thibel in there long enough. There's always going to be a play where you're like, what the fuck are you doing? And it yeah. just, that he's, he's not even close to what PJ Tucker does. I don't think at least yeah. in a consistent way. So. For sure. And PJ, and that's why PJ is getting paid a lot of money. He's been doing this for a long time. He's playing at his age. Like, even with being a, essentially a zero offensively, like he's still a very helpful player to winning. And it's, it's nice now a luxury that Daryl has assembled a team and, and shake has taken such a, a nice step forward of being like a competent member of this team, being able to run the second unit, this team, they, they played like doc played a, he's kind of a little feeling himself too much. I'm worried like what, what it's going to say going forward, but a full bench unit was out there for a lot of the game and they looked decent, which is scary because that could, that could turn bad against a good team. But hopefully it was just like, a, all right, let's make sure we get guys rest. I think foul trouble maybe helped that with, with some of the guys. Um, but like, it's been a really, really great month or two for Shake. 
which they've needed with Maxi there because for the most part, for the first little bit of the season, like especially while Embiid was looking bad, or at least like not as in shape as we want him to be or he needs to be, Maxi was the guy that was like carrying them and like the silver lining. And he's been out for a long time now. And the Sixers are now, what are they? Eight, 18 and 12? What is it? 13. 18, they're 18 and 12. 18 and 12. They're the five seed. Their only reason they're, they're not higher is because uh, Cleveland has won five in a row. Brooklyn's won six in a row. The Knicks have won eight in a row. Yeah. That, so like the, the mid, the, the like second tier of the East, which I don't include the Knicks, although they have looked good lately, um, has, has just like been dominant uh the last week or two brooklyn's um, won nine of ten i think nine of ten they'd be if they if the sixers were in the west they would be one game out of the top seed of the west like there's been a bunch of bad moments this season a lot of bad moments but they're 18 and 12 they're the five seed they're three and a half back of milwaukee and boston boston who had a really bad loss to the pacers tonight milwaukee who had a relatively bad loss to the Cavs tonight that just didn't look at it at all um, it's the, some of their offense and defense is starting to come back down to earth. This is going to be a tighter regular season than it was looking like a couple weeks ago. And, uh, you know, three more games in this winning streak and, and then we can see how it goes. We got a lot of other fun stuff to get to. Uh, yeah. before- the only thing that, that, that is concerning me is how much they're fouling. That is like the, the really the only issue is defensively they're just fouling too much. They're allowing too many trips to the line for the other team. It's keeping other teams in it that shouldn't be. Um, but I think that's stuff that can get cleaned up as the season goes on. I got a text message from our very own Andrew Sharp. And it said, hey, forgetting about commercials or whatever, is that big Barker dog bed actually good? My parents need a dog bed. It's an older big dog. And I was like, yes, man. We don't take on sponsors that we don't like believe in that aren't legit. The big Barker dog bed is legit, especially like his parents have a bigger dog that's older. Yes, yes. Big Barker, the only real dog bed on the market. The only dog bed engineered by experts to support your dog's joints. It's important. Dogs get older. They start to develop arthritis just like we do. And the thing that will help, first of all, keep your, your dog like more energetic for longer later in life, one of those things will be sleeping on a proper mattress. Bigbarker.com slash Ricky. Go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky. You get the Big Barker dog bed. You get two processed pup patches. You get to choose between the Barker Jr. if you have a small dog, all the way up to the giant Big Barker. Maybe you want the headrest. Maybe you don't want the headrest. Maybe you want maroon. Maybe you want gray. Maybe you want khaki. It's a nice looking dog bed. It is incredibly made dog bed. And all these things I'm saying about it, supporting your dog's joints because dogs develop art. These are all facts. Penn Vet did a study on big barker dog beds, found for sure improvement in joint function, function reduction in pain severity, reduction in joint stiffness, all those things. Big barker dog beds. You as a dog owner, dog parent, you have one job. Make your dog's life as happy and as healthy as possible. And you cannot be doing that without a big barker. Bigbarker.com slash Ricky. Uh, 10-year warranty. The foam doesn't flatten or they replace it for free. One-year at-home trial. If you don't like it, your dog won't sleep on it, whatever. They'll give you full refund and pay for shipping. Handmade in the USA. Big Barker dog beds. All right. Uh, first of all, before we get on to B-Ball Paul, um, 
wanted to say a big thank you to War on Drugs for uh, allowing me to be part of a drug sember to remember night two. Got to MC it, got to do the raffle. Uh, bunch of Ricky people in the crowd. Shout out to the one guy that bought me a drink. I had one too many drinks at the thing. Mm, um, but I've met Matt, Matt from Mount Joy. It was just fucking there. Love it. Yeah, got to see Matt from Mount Joy. Um, finally, I don't think I've ever met Eliza in person. Um, but everybody in the, the band, um, everybody in the band, just so amazing, sweet people. Uh, the show was excellent. Uh, they are a tremendous band, a great, great, great band, and raising a ton of money for uh, the fund for the school district of Philadelphia. So thank you to uh, Warren Drugs for, for some reason, making us like the official podcast of the War on Drugs, which is just absolutely, positively absurd. So, great. Uh, and Adam did not have grapes, but we'll see next time mm. they come on the pod. Mm. So I guess it wasn't really a drug summer to remember that. No, no. I didn't remember it. No. Nope. So on the last pod, I was wearing my Out the Mud hoodie, if you'll remember, that I ordered from B-Ball Paul um, by DMing him on Twitter, which you can do for $100. We'll send you the shipping tracking number and all that he will stuff. do it himself it's important to know that he will yes do it himself here is the image and i tweeted this image and i said incredible customer service uh for the out the mud hoodie for b-ball paul mm-hmm. and who responds to it b-ball paul who else could b-ball paul says gotta get on your podcast one day interesting <laughs> now interesting if you don't remember, this is funny because B-Ball Paul was on our podcast. Huh. Yeah. Now he, um, you know, it took him a while to warm up during the pod. Uh, but so this tweet is very, the responses to this tweet are amazing. You Perfect. know, like some people saying, this is great. Others saying, don't tell him, you know, a lot of crying, laughing emojis. Mm-hmm. And I respond, um, something to the effect of Paul, like open door policy on our podcast. You're always welcome. Just sort of an innocuous response. Here's the link, permanent link. Yep. Hop in. So then- This this podcast is the cheers bar for B-Ball Paul. Yes. Then the the touche on this, the cherry on top is a day later, (laughs) B-Ball Paul tweets again, replies to his own tweet, got to get back on your podcast one day, LOL, <laughs> back on your podcast. Yeah. One day. I'll be back. Who, now, do you think, who told him? <laughs> I think he saw the tweets. He's oh, and obviously monitoring the tweets. Yep. He has to because he's such an uh, attentive customer service rep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do we think it was he forgot the word back? Or no. do we think he forgot? No. That this was a podcast he's been on. I, no, I forgot. I think he, I don't think he put together that he was on the podcast. I don't know that that's, I, that was initially uh, my reaction, but has he ever been on any other podcast? I don't know. He's, it's I'm not sure, something, sure some people like, are pretty like nervous about being on a podcast. And it seems like Bebop Paul was, you know, he seemed a little nervous, a little shy, mm-hmm. uh, hesitant to open up. I don't think he would have, if, if this really was, I think it might've been one of the few times he's been on a podcast at all. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he would forget, forget that. So, or maybe he thought we were, he was on a podcast with two other guys. 
there's a chance that that was the case. Um, but either yeah. way, Amazing. it was great. Exactly Amazing. what you want from Bebo yeah. Paul. Just delivering always. He's weird. Look, his game is weird. His Twitter style is maybe not as polished. But that's why as we love want, him. But that's why we love him. Your choice. I have two things on the rundown here. One says the ringer top 100 rankings. The other one says Sixers owner David Adelman has a six-figure drinking room. Well, you know I'm always going to go away from rankings. Okay. Sixers owner David Adelman was fi- featured in a Wall Street Journal article. Great. I subscribed to the Wall Street Journal for a dollar a week for the next 52 fucking weeks just to read this entire article. You paid 52 bucks? Yeah. To read this article. Correct. I needed okay. to see it. Did you pay for it yourself or did you pay for it through the Ricky? No. Well, it's my, it, like, that is myself. I'm just right? wondering. Yeah. Which which card? Oh, no, no. It was the Rice Ricky Sanchez card. There you go. Yeah. So there you paid $26. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to know. I wanted to know. You know, what's actually amazing is CJ didn't pay a penny. Abby didn't pay a penny. No. AU didn't pay a penny. No. It was you and me. Yeah, it's a good point. Okay. That's a good point. All right, great. So I paid 26. You paid 26. Okay, All great. right. So I'll take a look. I'll, I'll this, log in later. It is this huge article about like, how rich people drink. And there's these pictures, like it's like... It's, you know how some like New York Times articles online now are like sort of like a graphic experience. Like you go past a bunch of paragraphs, then there's like, you go through pictures mm-hmm. and whatever. So it's one of those. So it gets to David Adelman. Now, if you and don't- this is the, this is new six, new six yes. owner, David Adelman, the part of the arena, arena guy, David Co- Adelman. Correct. Yeah. So David Adelman was just the guy that was going to like- be part of the, like he's a, he builds stuff, right? So he was going to be the arena guy. But then when Michael Rubin sold his part of the team so he could start the fanatics thing, the betting thing, uh, he sold it to David Adelman. So David Adelman is now a uh, an owner of the Sixers. So this comes directly from the Wall Street Journal. David Adelman has been collecting wine for about 20 years and has more than 5,000 bottles in his basement wine cellar outside Philadelphia. How many of them are James Harden wines? Oh, it, well, there's 2,500 Cabernet and then $25, 2,500 red blends. Good. To me, it's a form of art trying to appreciate different wines and where they came from, said Mr. Adelman, 50, who is CEO of the student housing company, Campus Apartments. Then about 10 years ago, he developed an interest in tequila, which he hadn't drunk since college. Tequila then versus tequila now is a very different experience. The most expensive bottle of tequila I had in college was probably $8. Premium tequilas can now run from $100 up to $1,000 or more. Tequila boxes started piling up on the floor of the basement. When friends came over, they were like, Dave, I can't believe you're pulling tequilas out of boxes. So he used reclaimed wood from an old barn in Lancaster, PA, to create a tequila room near his wine cellar. Now the mirrored space has shelves containing about 100 ornate bottles, such as a class... A Class A Azul Ultra Anejo worth about $7,000. Between the wine cellar and the tequila room, he created a, quote, drinking room decorated with wooden boxes from well-known wineries such as Screaming Eagle and Quintessa. Those boxes are interspersed with boxes bearing notes from friends, specially created for him by his wife. Now it, quote, feels a little bit like a speakeasy downstairs, Mr. Adelman said. Mm, rebel. The total cost of creating the wine cellar, tequila room, and drinking room was in the six figures, he said. The house, an 1890s tutor, also has a bar upstairs. Couple thoughts. Yeah. First thought. Mm-hmm. Do you know who else 
had a drinking room in their home. I'm going to need it. It was a champagne room, technically. It is. Hmm. Real housewife of Potomac, Eddie Jordan, and his wife, Sharice. Really? A drinking room. room? Yeah, I think it was, she, 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 I think she might have uh, had a built, like, during the divorce or the separation or something, but it was still his house, so. Mm. Uh, I don't like champagne. Gives me a headache, immediate headache. Mm. Um, what do you think? Second thought. Yes. Who is writing? Why are they writing this? <laughs> Why is this an article? Why is this an article aside from for it to be a, a, a point of discussion on this exact podcast? Yeah, I don't know. I, I just, well, I mean, there have always been, you remember. It's the Wall Street Journal. It's not like. Yeah, it's a real. Like. N- my his specific right. neighborhood monthly right like if it, it's not like poughkeepsie whatever some like it's the wall it doesn't they don't need to be doing this there's other things that they i feel like should be doing uh-huh. aside from just like in the six figures allowing this guy to like pontificate about like how tequila has changed <laughs> who gives a fuck man <laughs> who gives a fuck <sighs> great well congratulations david on your and and by the way in the six figures doesn't mean it was a hundred thousand oh, dollar drinking yeah. room. It could be a three hundred eighty thousand dollar. Yeah, room. I'm guessing. I'm guessing in the. I'm guessing in the six hundred. Oh. Six hundred range. God bless him. Here we go. Oh, Vegas Mike! There he is. There's Vegas Mike, everyone. All right, Vegas Money, Mike. Moneyline Mike. Moneyline Mike. Draft Kings odds. Okay. Now that largely a lot of the MLB postseason has concluded. Okay. I thought you were going to do the Eagles Dallas odds because I did see it and I don't want to be honest about it. I have seen, there's been a lot of stories about the the Dallas odds, which is why I I sort of, uh, good, good, good. Yeah. Um, now that, you know, with the Met signing of, uh, Correa last night, Mm -hmm. I would like you to guess the, who is the favorite to win the world series in 2023 Mm -hmm. and then where the Phillies rank in terms of uh, teams to win the World Series in 2023. And this is according to? DraftKings Sportsbook. That's right. Yeah. Our presenting sponsor that we say every time. That's right. I just wanted to make sure I wanted to be clear about it. It's not not from, you know, L.L. Pavorsky. No, no, of course not. Uh, I will say the favorite is still the Astros. It is. Now I will say there is some clumping at the top. I will no, tell you the the Astros are now, are plus six hundred to win the World Series. They are that's pretty low for a favorite. Yeah, they are plus two seventy five to win the American League, and they are plus uh, six hundred to win the World Series. Uh-huh. Where are the Phillies? Interesting. I would say the Phillies are probably behind. So the Astros, mm-hmm. the Yankees, yeah. The Mets. Correct. You got this. I think they'll I think they're probably behind the Cardinals. No. Mm, okay. So I'll say the Phillies are seventh. They're eighth. Okay. The Astros are plus 600 at DraftKings Sportsbook. Yankees are plus 700. Mets are plus 750. Dodgers are also plus 750, which I mm. thought was an easy one. I don't uh, think so. Padres. Yeah, I, the Dodgers are going to take a big step back next year. Although Mookie's still obviously very good, but they've been pa- losing guys. 
Padres, I guess Phillies, actually, you're right. Phillies are tied for seventh. Uh, Padres and Braves are both plus 1,000. And then the Blue Jays and Phillies are plus 1,300. The, mm. Phil, the Phillies to win the National League are plus 700. They are fifth. There you go. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Hey, right now, if you're a new customer, use code RTRS on a pregame money line on any NBA team to win. And when they do, you get 150 bucks in free bets. It's that, that's it. Same game parlays, money easy in, money easy out. If you're in Maryland, by the way, DraftKings Sportsbook now live in your state, download the app right now. Get in on the holiday hoops action. Sign up with code RTRS. Place a $5 pregame money line bet on any NBA team to win. Get 150 bucks in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code RTRS. Uh, what's the last thing I have to say? Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Um, I think we should, wait, hang on, do a little, uh, oh, uh, nah. Uh, you know what? I like this, actually. The hard to stomach YouTube comment of the week, two of them. I've been meaning to get to these. This was after the Mike uh, coaching story. Rob Smith says, I've heard enough. Fire Doc, hire Coach Mike. What an incredible underdog story. And St. Christian says, Coach Michael Levin, what an amazing underdog story. Let him coach and let's get B-Ball Paul some meaningful minutes. Yeah, unfortunately, I will be playing Alyssa over B-Ball Paul. That is... Uh, <laughs> Have to. Bebo Paul will still have to be on the bench handling customer service orders and praying on the bench. So you'll remember um, we got a voicemail on the last pod basically calling everyone Fairweather fans for not being able to enjoy this Sixer season without worrying about them losing in the second round. Mm -hmm. Remember that guy? He's like, just enjoy it, have fun. You never know what's going to happen. We got some reactions to those. Uh, here's the first one left at 833 Lickface. Ike. Spike, CJ. This is a question for Eric. Hey, Eric, go fuck yourself. If I wanted to enjoy myself, I wouldn't be a fucking Sixers fan. Like, I always want to punch my balls. How many times we lose in the second round? Eric, do me a favor. Go watch fucking golf, you idiot. Fucking troglodyte. People are beefing in the voicemails yes and not with us You're right so then there was another response and this came from becca 833 lickfish hello becca here second time caller which makes me feel kind of like an insane person i'm calling with a bit of a bone to pick with the milk discussion um so much soy hate uh anti-soy propaganda erasure all along the spectrum I was glad Spike eventually mentioned it, but only to say he doesn't drink it. I just want to say it's still the only fake milk that has a significant protein content. Sure. Um, I also just want to echo the, the kind of high vibes dude who called last week calling out the Fairweather fans. Totally agree. Enjoy the ride. I'm enjoying seeing Maxie on the bench, knowing he's coming back. He's got so much skill so much heart, the athleticism, the shot, and to just know he's sitting there with the coaches, like getting all analytical, taking it all in. He's going to be so good when he comes back. The future is bright. The shooting is sharp. Goodbye. <laughs> so yeah, we, I we mean, the Maxi, the Maxi thing is kind of, it's kind of nice having Maxi in our back pockets a little bit. Like the thing I miss most, there's a lot of things I miss most about the process, but like of just the idea of hope, of just like future, yeah. Hey, we got 
$20 bill later. Yeah. It could it's be It's a good. nice feeling of, of like something later we have. And so the fact that the Sixers are having some success now, and then you can go, and when Maxi gets healthy. Yes. How about that? Like, it's a fun, it's a fun feeling. So I do like that. I like Maxi in a cardigan. I like Maxi celebrating with his coaches, all that stuff. Can I, um, can I ask you something, actually? Yeah. Because um, Elliot tweeted earlier today that, that uh, what was the Kyle stat, the Newbeck stat? Something to the effect of the starting lineup with Maxi versus the starting lineup with Melton. The starting lineup with Maxi, and this is about the same amount of minutes. Starting lineup with Maxi is about plus four and a half uh, net rating. Starting lineup with Melton is like almost 20, plus 20. Is there any, you know, I used to say that like Maxi's skill set was sixth manny, but but given like hard what Harden does and what Embiid does and the the sort of like defensive issues that the Maxi Harden backcourt cause, is there some thought to when Maxi comes back leaving Melton in the starting lineup? I mean, they, they might do it for a game or two, um, but no, I don't, I don't think so. I. You know, I'm not a, I don't particularly care who starts. I think it, it would be nice to have some flexibility at the ends of games to go, okay, Melton's playing really well. We can play him over PJ Tucker as an example um, to get some action in there or go offense defense with Maxi or Harden or something. I think that's nice. Um, I'm not, because they looked so weird earlier on, you know, Maxi and Beat and Harden have just not played enough games together to where it feels like that's really any valuable metric like analysis um, based on like how they played together then and Bede was not was working himself back in they didn't look good now they have looked good lately with Melton in there I love Melton I think he's the best he's been great uh, as I've said like you know even even when he's missing shots like he's just a, exactly the kind of player that I like he, you know I wish he was a better finisher inside that's like his one weak spot um, but like has has come up with so many big rebounds. Like just I've I've said earlier in the season, like he's the guy I trust most to like come up with a rebound. Um I love him. I I want him to be an option at the ends of games when they're trying to find who that fifth guy is, whether it's for defense for one of Max or Harden or in place of PJ if PJ is ineffective. Like it's really helpful to have have him there. But uh Maxie's Maxie's like a tent pole player on this team. And yeah, it's and, hard to, and you it's hard to not start him. I yeah. think. Yeah. Uh, you can send us an email, write tricky Sanchez at gmail.com, write tricky Sanchez at gmail.com. This comes from Robert. You better tell a friend to tell a friend that Toby's trade value can't get any higher this year than it already is now. He's playing great, which leads one to think he shouldn't be traded but should the Sixers explore trade options while his value is high? I'm realistic in that his trade value still isn't great because of the contract, but maybe more he finds a sucker who's hyper-focused on Toby's current play. Are we also sure this is the real Toby or is he just going through a hot streak and what happens when Maxi comes back and Toby barely touches the ball again? Well, he's, he's not, barely touching the ball now. Yeah, he's the, the, your point earlier, he's making incredibly quick decisions with the yes. ball. Yes. Yeah. He's not dominating the ball. Yeah, I don't think Maxi's... Mac, reincorporating Maxi in the starting lineup is going to have some effect. There will be some like feeling out period. There has, you know, the issue with Maxi getting this good this fast is that like him, Harden, and Embiid, they all can't be involved in every action, you know? And so there is a tendency for one of them to feel like they are uh, a little bit invisible. But I don't think Tobias is that guy anymore. I think he's just like quick decision guy that can also like 
get get you a bucket, get into the paint. Like there's a number of guys in this team now, especially with Shake improving, you know, Niang on some level. You know, I wish they had a couple more athletic players that can play above the rim, a lob guy, as an example. Um, but this team is really deep and solid in a bunch of ways. Um, and when they when they're when they aren't turning the ball over, which they which they've been doing a good job of protecting the ball, not allowing that many rebounds, which like pretty good lately. Um, they need to get their fouls down, but like they they look like a very capable two way team right now, where they could be the, the team they are right now. They are a top ten offense and a top ten defense lately. So it's just got to be like, how can we keep that up? How can we keep it up when Maxie's back? How do you incorporate Maxie and Harden together? How do you salvage the defense when it's Maxie and Harden? I think one way to do it is never playing Maxie and Harden at the same time when Embiid's not out there. But, you know, we'll feel it out. It's, it's, things are, you know, things are good right now. And they're going to get three more wins, and that's important. From Tim, right, Sanchez at gmail.com. Hi, Spike and Mike. Basketball question. If the Bulls decide to blow it up, is there anyone on the team you'd be interested in trying to trade for? I'm, I forgot that. Tobias, the Tobias trade was part of that question, the first one. Um, oh, yeah. So I'll, I'll factor that. There's just no, it doesn't, Tobias has one year after this one under contract. There's just no version of a Tobias trade for a team that is hungry for Tobias. Like, right, that's if he is problem. a salary matching player where you're attaching picks to them and then you're getting, as an example, just randomly, it's not going to be this because we've been doing this for so long, but like Bradley Beal, right. where it's like, okay, you have Bradley Beal's contract. You need somebody to get up there in, in value. Tobias does it. It doesn't matter how good Tobias is playing in, in that situation. Right. You're just attaching picks to it to see if, if that's the best offer the Wizards can get, which it obviously isn't. It, Tobias right now is just like, his contract is like too high to trade in any way, and he's also too valuable to this team. I, I just think, I, I'm interested to see what happens next year or this offseason, but there to me, there is no world, almost no world, where Tobias gets traded this season, no yeah. matter how he plays. It's just a very specific fit. Yeah. You know, like it has to be a very specific situation, I think. I, I agree with you. And there's even, some, even you, you know, we were talking about the Rose. We, now, you know, Tim's question about the Bulls, like, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'd rather, at this point, I'd rather have Tobias Harris than DeRozan. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't fit to put, like you're, you're taking away what you need to give you something that you don't specifically need, especially given the skill set of the, the starters, you know, on the team. Um, Yeah, I think DeRozan's a better player than Tobias, probably, but I wouldn't, but the, the, you would be asking DeRozan to then do the Tobias thing for a lot of the game. Yeah. Or you'd be asking Maxi to play like, fully off ball way more of the time and if you think about like levine again if they're going to trade levine they can get better offers than what the sixers would give them but then it's like okay you're trying to package tobias and stuff for levine and then you're going maxi harden levine like that's not a no, no that's no. not a, a way, defense that can play in the playoffs we're already talking about like maxi and harden as issues if you talk about like do you trade hard like i don't think they're going to do this i don't think there's any world but like just theoretically harden for DeRozan and stuff or harden for levine something like that then maybe you're you, you you hand the keys a little bit more to maxi offensively as a point guard but i i just think it's just a weird it's all of it a weird fit the sixers are now like kind of locked into the the f- core pieces of this team and i wouldn't 
you know, I would find a backup center that's better that can shoot. Absolutely. Like it can be a pick and pop option. There's not that many guys like that that can actually that can actually defend the rim and be a pick and pick, pick and pop option, which by the way, Luke Cornette could have been had for fucking five bucks. Been saying it for years. They didn't do it. Boston did it. He's looking good. Uh, but like if you could find one of those guys, then maybe that's a that's an improvement level. But like there's the depth of this team is good, especially with Shake improving, Matisse being a little bit more helpful on the offensive end. Niang hitting a ton of shots. Like there's not that many areas you're like, we can improve this specific spot. There's just not that many. And so to me, it's backup center. And and let's find a guy that can that can do it. And if you can get an athlete back there, then great. But if the, uh if the Bulls blow it up, is there anybody on that team that you want? I mean, Andre Drummond is a good we talked about it last week, but like yeah. he, he would be a better um a a better option than the than than Harrell for sure. I mean, you could everybody will want Vucevic Caruso. could they could get him. Somebody else could get Vucevic better. Like Caruso would be a nice player, yeah, as like a two way guy. But you know, I don't think you can you know in the same in the same way that you know you're not loving like PJ Tucker Matisse minutes. Like you're not you're not going to love Caruso minutes that much. He's he's not taking that many shots. I'm not a Kobe White guy. Derek Jones Jr. Fine, um, but not really. Yeah, no, not really. Uh, the non-basketball question from Tim is, what's your favorite Christmas food and do you have any Christmas traditions? We have a family tradition that started years ago, which is food-themed Christmas, where you have a different cuisine on Christmas Day, e.g. Spanish, Italian, Greek, French-inspired. Are there Christmas... F- oh, actually, well, my so my wife's family is very into Christmas Eve, Catholic. And, uh, they, but I can't eat any of it. Um, they have a bunch of like, yeah, I don't know. Is there Christmas food? Do people sure, have ham. a ham? Yeah. I had some good Hanukkah brisket last night. Oh, there you at go. At a friend's house. There you go. Some latkes. Alyssa's mm. made a couple of latkes, that kind of thing. If, um, if the Raptors are blowing it up, mm-hmm. I, how long have I been asking for Chris Boucher? Like, oh yeah. For yeah. years. It Obviously be- he would shoot. 22% from three for the Sixers. And by the way, when you look at his numbers, they do not match what you see on the court. They don't. They so don't. He shoots like 30% from three. Absolutely. Yeah. But, it does, but it doesn't he's work. also like a lot of the time he's, and maybe this is because of his skill set where you just don't trust him that much as, as like the only big, but he's, he's playing a lot of four with like a Kem Birch or a yeah. Preston Sachua or something, or even Siakam, who's not a great catch and shoot guy. Um, if you have him as the only big, like him and Tobias, him, Tobias, PJ Tucker, Harden, Melton, something with Embiid off the floor, like that's, that that's playable. Like you have him able to protect the rim. You have him able to shoot. If they are, if they start blowing it up, he's, he's under contract for a while. I don't, three years it's descending. It's in descending value. But if you go like, you know, maybe you can get there with Korkmaz and Thibel for, for Boucher. That that's something I'd be interested in, um, but there's not many of those guys. And if he was that good at it, I believe in him. He's also like 28. Weirdly, mm-hmm. like he's he he came he was like a four year player at at Oregon and played like some junior college and stuff. Yeah, he's he's 29. Wow, um, and he's under contract for two years after this one. But like he'd be a very helpful player in my mind as like a con- consolidation. 
you get rid of any Montrez minutes. He is at least a lob threat because he's so big and long. That that could be helpful, but like I, I don't see in season many ways to improve this team realistically. I it's gonna come down to Harden and Embiid and, and Maxi. And if, if Tobias keeps doing what he's doing, that's what it's gonna come down to. Like they, they have they have all the pieces. They just gotta like the main ones have to perform and keep and performing, f- which they have been. And finally, a trade suggestion from the voicemail. Eight three three lickface. Hey guys, uh, two quick things. Uh, we were talking about how to deal with splits uh, when Joel is not on the uh, court. And I had an idea for a trade target. Um, we know the Sixers play slow uh, when he's on the court. It's sometimes excruciating to watch. And I thought somebody that could speed the game up would be a good trade target. So when he's on the bench, we can change pace. And someone that could maybe push the pace, let Maxi get going. Um, but someone with size, so maybe a forward or something who's also a bit of a facilitator. So my thought was uh, that we go after Ben Simmons. Um, a little bit disgruntled, uh, value is low, uh, but I think coming off the bench, they got, they got a me. forward uh, would be awesome, push the pace, yeah. um, and maybe maybe even facilitate. So let me know what you guys think about that. I think he might be a great fit. Yeah, There you go. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, that got me for sure. Yeah, It definitely got me. Nas Reed is another option of Minnesota. They've been winning a couple of games lately. and But when, when Towns comes back, if they really feel like it's going to be just either Cat or Gobert minutes and there's not really room for another guy in there, um, Nas Reed is a really good basketball player. I think he's going to, you know, he's expiring and he's going to get paid by somebody this offseason. Um, can shoot, can defend a little bit. Like he's, he's a certainly fine player, but like, though, that's the kind of thing that like, Good and this hate. is why you don't drink during the podcast. I uh, think it's important to know. Oh, did you, you do that? That wasn't I, your. I clicked right out of it. I'm uh, I'm looking at I'm looking at salaries. And I clicked just right out of the podcast. Wow. Um, but like the, right now, the Sixers have no advantage in their backup center. Doctors trust people. Paul Montrez is giving them almost nothing aside from like wide open dunks. If they had at least someone that could stretch the floor or protect the rim, or rebound really well. Trez is a really bad rebounder. He's a really, he, his rebounding numbers, percentage-wise, defensive rebounding numbers, are as good as Tobias's. The same exact per- defensive rebounding percentage as Tobias. That's not Tobias's strength. Like, if they could have somebody at least that did something like that, you're, you're, you see how many times Trez, like, watches a rebound go into the other team's arms. Like, it's, it's not good. So if, you can, if we can get someone that has some high level NBA scale that at least factors into how they are defending the team rim protection or and or outside shot then we can work with it but other than that the team is the team the team's the team we will uh, we'll talk to you next time I don't even know what day it is Is it Wednesday Wednesday. we got the Clippers in a couple days yep on Friday Clippers have their full team right now but they're always incredibly banged up and uh, and waiting to see who uh, who is there. But they got to win. They got to keep winning games. It's a home game. Six in a row. Three more. Would, it would be nice to do at least. It'd be really. They're going to win three more. But it, it'll be really nice, especially to win all seven games at this homestand. That is oh a. Oh my god! They can feel that is a momentum. That is like a a touchstone 
moment for the season. Winning a whole entire seven game homestand? Yes, I agree. Yeah. I don't think we necessarily think about it, but I think that kind of thing, winning a full homestand is something that I think the players and the coaches like really think about. And that'll be like something, a rallying point for the rest of the season. Now they could do that and then go like, all right, we got it. And then coast for, for a month and, and go like five and six for a while, but three more to go six in a row. Feeling good. We'll talk to you this weekend. And then, uh, and then we may have a surprise next week. We may have a surprise next week. May just have a surprise. All right, we'll talk to you then. Are you done with TTP? Yeah. You know. Lake face. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! Thanks for playing 